Alright folks, we're going to come back together for our scripture reading. Oh, that worked really well. <laughs> Thank you. So today we are going to be reading from Genesis 12, 10 through 20. If you want to turn there, it'll also be on the screen if you want to follow along. So Genesis 12, 10 through 20. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live, to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram, what have you done to me, he said. Why did you tell me that she was your wife? Why, why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now, he, now then, here is your wife, take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Thank you. This is God's word. Hey, good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy, happy New Year's Eve, or as we say in our house, the eve of Ollie's birthday. I think um, I'd like to start, well, let's, let me start by praying first. Father, thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you that we could come together and we can connect with you. I love that song that we sang, you are the same God. You are the God who um, walked Abram and Sarai through this time that we're going to look at this morning. You are the one that spoke to Mary and Joseph and, and Zachariah and Elizabeth and brought forth your son, Jesus, and you are speaking to us this morning. We believe that. And that's like a supernatural thing. And we ask that you would speak to us um, through your word, by your spirit, into our hearts, into our lives, into our culture, into our city, into our families, and that you would lead us um, by your truth and your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I think one of the things that we forget so quick after Christmas 
is that Christmas isn't just a day that we celebrate, but the whole point of Christmas, it's supposed to be this new reality in which we live. Emmanuel, we talk. Emmanuel means God with us. But so time, so much, so often of the time when we go through a Christmas break or some sort of holiday, then you get back to work, you get back to this. We treat it like Emmanuel means God visited us. Like, oh, that was fun, man. That was Christmas service. That was sweet. God is with us so good. Now I got to get back on the grind. I got to get back to school. I got to get back to making money. I got to figure out how to pay for all those presents. Whatever it may be. It's God is with us. He dwells with us. It's the, the Bible says he tabernacles with us. Mean like he makes a dwelling place with us. That's what it is to be a Christian. You invite the Holy Spirit into your life and he dwells within you. He transforms you, transforms you from the inside out. Why is this important? Because life doesn't stop. Christmas was cool, or maybe Christmas was really hard, or maybe you're in a new season with Christmas, or, or whatever this current season that, that you're in, but the whole invitation is that God is with you. He's with you today. Maybe you need to be reminded that God is, is with you. If you're open to meeting with him, he is going to meet with you, but life doesn't stop. So as we go back into Genesis, which is what we're going through as a church family here at the bridge. If you're new here, welcome. What up? My name is JJ. Nice to meet you. Uh, hopefully you've been said hi to by somebody else and we're pumped you're here. Um, but we've been going through Genesis. It's the book of beginnings. That's what Genesis means. And so we're looking at the beginning of all things because we're born into a world that's already been going. And then once our time is done, the world's going to keep going until the Lord thinks that this world in its present state has had enough and he's ready to renew all things to himself. But he's not wasting time. He's taking his time because he wants more people to be with him. So this is, this is our time, but there are people that have been before us and once upon a time, the world actually started. So we've gone back to the beginnings and see what was God's original intent around the world, around men and women, around relationships, all these things. That's what we've been doing. And now we're in chapter uh, 12, the end of 12. And that's where we find ourselves with this guy named Abram that God called, said, I want you to walk differently than the people around you. I want you to follow me. And we're kind of with Abram in his journey. And now we see today Abram does something weird. That's what we're going to look at. After God had promised, which is where we left off before Christmas, from, from Babylon to blessing was the last message that I taught. And it was where God met Abram in this place, Babylon, the, where the Tower of Babel was, the center of man apart from relationship with God. That's where Abraham was with his family and his grandparents and like where he had grown up that's where God called him and said I'm gonna I want you to follow me from this place of life centered around yourself to a place of life centered around me God said and not only if he did that not only would it be good for him but it would be good for the whole world around him that's where we left off 
Now we get right after God promised to bless Abram and make him a blessing to others. The first thing we see is famine. It's important because we're going to look at a life lesson for Abram. Something that we see today and something he'll actually struggle with. He won't get this perfect. But God will meet him where he's at and he will use this and he will grow him. Because God's promises still say the whole world will be blessed because of you. There will be a people that come from you so numerous, they'll be like the stars in the sky. But we're going to see something right here that he'll actually repeat this same mistake later in his life. Thank you, Lord, for putting real stuff in the Bible so we can see that we're not just supposed to become better people, but we're supposed to trust you. I'm naming this morning's message back to basics, back to the basics, back to the basics. Let's jump back in those verses that Katie read. Thank you for doing that, Katie. <clears throat> and it says, now there was a famine in the land. So it was after some time, the Bible does this a lot. You don't know how much time has passed, but it just says this, this is on to the next part of the narrative. They were in this land, the land where God had called them. We're here, Lord. Boom. And they lived happily ever after. Not if you're walking with the Lord. It says now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. The famine came after the blessing. It's a good thing to remember. Oftentimes, hard things come right on the heels of good things. They always take us by surprise. Maybe they shouldn't as much as they do. A famine, obviously, in its most literal term, is a lack of food. And without refrigeration and all the stuff we have now, you can't just go get more stuff was grown. And so if there was a rough winter or rough summer, however it went, it really affected people's crops. To a famine to the follower of God is, um, as we're talking spiritual, because Babylon, like we said, wasn't just a place physically. It's also a place spiritually. So famine isn't just, I don't have food. It's, to, it's when something is sparse or scarce. So to a follower of God, a, a famine is like a threat to the promises of God. The things that God wants to do, but then there's famine. You're not feeling like full and having plenty. There's like a scarcity. For Abram, the, the famine was to like the promises of the land. God will give you this land. Because what does it say? There was a famine in Abram what? He went to Egypt. It was like, like that. Oh, let's go. He was in the place where God called him to be. But the famine caused stress about God's promise of the land. God's promise of provision. I will provide for you. I will bless you and multiply you, God told him. And a threat to the offspring, God's plan, what would come from Abram's life. See, the biggest temptation for the follower of God is to lose heart in what God desires to do in your life. When hard things come, the biggest temptation is to lose heart. Does anybody else get discouraged when hard things come? You're rolling along, you're doing good, something kind of knocks the, the, especially, finish your thought, okay. 
something comes along and kind of knocks you off your feet, takes the wind out of your sails, you have a crash, and, and it's easy for things to change and be discouraged, especially if you're walking alone. When there's no one there that's got your back, that knows you, that knows what God, that believes in what God wants to do. And it's like, I thought I was going good, but then this happened. What happened, God? Where were you on that one? We can change so quickly. It shows our weakness. And that we want to be strong. The, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh truly is weaker than we wish it was. The biggest temptation is to lose faith. We got to go to Egypt. That's where we'll find provision. We need more. What does famine cause? So that's what famine is. What does it cause? It causes stress. You find yourself bitten off a little bit more than you could chew financially. You find yourself in a state where you don't, it's not quite adding up and stress comes. Anybody experience stress ever? I know I, we have a tree business. The phone is not ringing for people to have their trees cut down. Why? They just spend everything their own, they own. On Christmas, it's like times are tight for a lot of people. It's just kind of one of those seasons, especially around the first of the year. We lose faith. We got to figure out a way to, to take care of this. Things are so expensive. Maybe we should just move. Things look, then you play it out. This is what it looks like in, in, in our state or in our thing. Maybe we should move. Maybe we should go to this place or that place. Famine causes stress. So Abram said, I'm going to go. And if you're a Bible underliner, which two things. If you don't have a Bible, grab one on the back table on your way out. The best thing we can give you here is God's word. Uh, let's make a top three off the top of my head. Because we could give you God's word and we could be mean about it. So then it wouldn't be the best thing we could give you. Maybe the best thing we could give you is God's love and then our love and then give you God's word that is love as you walk out the door. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to take one. If you do have a Bible, I want to invite you to mark it up. There's an old saying, if you see a person's Bible who's falling apart, I'll show you a life that's not. Now, I don't know if that's totally true because my Bible is marked up and so am I. I'm falling apart too. <laughs> but, my, uh, but God uses duct tape and all the stuff and here we are. But I love this verse and it really caught me as I was going through it. It says, I'm going to go, where was it? Verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while. To go live down there for a while. It's funny how we respond to famine, to hardships, because the way we respond matters because it shows us some stuff that's going on, the way, we the way we respond to hard things. It says that he goes to Egypt. Now, if you look at go to Egypt and you follow this storyline throughout Genesis because it's important because it's a narrative, it's a story, you're going to see going to Egypt happens twice. Once here, 
and once later in Genesis around chapter 40 or something with Joseph. Look at those as you're reading Genesis, because I know you all are, as we're going through Genesis, you're reading it on your own, and you're like, wow, God just spoke that to me, and then JJ preached it. Thank you, Lord. So cool. But as you're reading Genesis, around chapter 40, Joseph goes down to, Je uh, to, um, to Egypt. Compare and contrast them. It's very interesting, because there's a couple of different ways we're showed. This first one, was looking to escape where God had, um, I put it in the first person. Let's do this. There's two ways to go to Egypt. The first one is this, looking to escape a place where God has you. I'm going to go over there and live for a while. That's where Abram was. The second way was looking how, seeking how to live where God has you. One is looking to escape. And one is looking to be faithful. The first one, Abram's like, we got to go. The second one, Joseph, wrongfully imprisoned, sold into slavery by his brothers. And, and it was like, God, what the heck is going on in my life? But the way he went down, he was like looking to be faithful where, where God had placed him. One is to escape. One is to abide or, or remain. It's interesting when we're looking to escape a place where God has us. Because how do we know? Should we go? Because sometimes, here's the hard part. We want to make a blanket statement about if you're a Christian and you should never try to leave the hard circumstance or situation or famine you find yourself in. We'd be like, you just got to stick it out. Onward, Christian soldier. You just, you come, you know, um, heck or high water. See what I did there? You just have to stay where you're at. But sometimes you're supposed to go. So how do you know when to stay? How do you know when to go? How do you know when to stick this job out? How do you know when to, it's time to quit this job and move on to the next thing? How do you know? I think we can learn from what Abram did here, and we can ask ourselves, do I have to change who I am to go to this new place? For Abram, there was compromise involved. We're going to go down. We're going to get some food. We'll even get, it says that he kind of came back with a bunch of stuff. We came back with more livestock and more this and more that. Some would be like, dude, that's kind of a win. Let me tell you, sometimes the biggest blessings that the world have turn, to, turn out to be the biggest weights we'll ever carry. It's not, they're not blessings. It's not light. It's heavy. We were never meant to carry some of this stuff, these added baggage that, that the world brings. But if there's compromise in what you need to do in order to get out of a season that you're in, I would rethink the decision. I've talked to people sometimes like, Where'd you, we're out of here. It's too expensive. And or for whatever reason, we're moving to such and such place. I typically have the same questions. Cool. Is it, you know, job? Oh, sweet. We have a better job opportunity. Great. What's the school situation like for the kiddos? 
Well, we're looking at this place. We're going. We checked these schools out. Seems like it'd be a really good fit. Oh, man, that's awesome. We're going to miss y'all. Hey, have you checked out any churches? Where are you guys going to be as far as, oh, we haven't, you know, it's the South. There's churches. All right. Uh, hopefully you get plugged into a place, but if it's a byproduct or we're going because the housing market's better and I can make a ton of money. Well, it could be a good thing. It could also be stepping away from stuff where God has you. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? It's like sometimes sticking it out is the way and sometimes trying to escape involves compromise. If there's compromise in who you are, it's always a good thing to just be like, why am I doing this? What am I running from? Because to walk in the way of the world requires compromise. This is what he says. Say you're my, I got an idea. We're going to go here. This is who we are. But in this place, they may not think that that's cool or whatever. And you're super good looking. God, he's in the ministry, Abram, so God allowed him to marry up. It's just part of the deal. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I know what he's talking about here. So when they get there, he's like, I, here's the deal. Pharaoh's powerful. He can have anything he wants. He's going to see you. And this is how the world works. It's cutthroat. So here's what we got to do. We're not going to really say who we are, what we're about. Matter of fact, say you're my sister. That way he doesn't kill me. We can get some food. Here's the, the, here's the deal. Here's the compromise. I, don't, I would love to hear this from Sarah's point of view. I think we will one day. It's like, so. What was that like? How long had you guys been married at that point? Uh, at this point, it's quite a while. I'd say it's like 40 years. So your 40th anniversary, how is that awkward? <laughs> okay. Um, say you're my sister. Then they come back with all this stuff, but it was a dishonest gain. Even if some things are gained, they will turn out to be more of a burden than a blessing. But here's the deal. If we want to, some of us have done this. We've done the compromise thing. We've done the go do what we got to do to get what we can get thing. And we find ourselves at the end of 2023, wherever we're at in our lives, feeling like I've done that. Now what? One of the things I've loved most about God's grace in my own life is learning what not to do is learning what to do if you want it to be. When you have gone down a road where you have made decisions that have got you to a place where you don't so much like where you're at, they can lead us to a new season if we want them to. Here's how I put it. If we want to, we can learn the best, the best lessons from the worst decisions. We can learn the best lessons from the worst decisions. So what did Abram do? We're going to pick up the story in chapter 13, verse 1. After all of that happened, it says, So Abram, after they left, and Pharaoh was like, Yo, what the heck, man? So Abram went up from Egypt to Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. 
from the Negev, he went from, a, from place to place until he came to Bethel. Circle Bethel. To the place where between Bethel and Ai, where his, where, and then underline this, where his tent had been earlier. And where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Did you see where it said where his tent had been earlier? That's why I call this back to the basics. Because Abram, after all of this and compromising, going and, and, and getting out of there, he went back to base camp. Base camp. A fresh start in an old place. You know, New Year's is my least favorite holiday. I don't even know why it's a holiday. I'm from tourist towns in Colorado. So New Year's was just an excuse to get absolutely blackout drunk, kiss whoever you could, and call it a good time. It was dumb to me even when I wasn't walking with the Lord. Cause if, but it was great the next day for snowboarding because no one would be on the hill. And then we would get. But I understand the thing behind it. We want to move on from the old and step into something new and do it like I understand. But the reality is when you always live with what's next, what are we going to do next? Sometimes in order to go forward, you have to go backwards. Abram, in order to step into this new season, had to go to a place he had already been once before. He had to go backwards for a fresh start. Sometimes we have to go back to go forward. Sometimes things have to get torn down that we've tried to build for ourselves so that God can build new things. Did you know that's what repent means? If you've ever heard the term, you need to repent, that's true. But repent means you need to go back, to turn around, to look at something different, go in a new direction. So re realistically, how that looks in our lives is something, sometimes things need to end so we can turn and new things can begin. Sometimes we have to relook at something that we've thought about a certain way our whole life in regards to our faith or money or relationships or different things. Sometimes we got to go back in order to go forward. Sometimes things have to get torn down so they can get rebuilt. That's what Abram did. He went back to a simpler place. He went back to a place that wasn't muddied by compromise. It wasn't muddied by stress of famine. He just went back to a place, it says, and he built an altar. If you read, no place in Egypt did it say, and Abram worshiped the Lord. Abram stopped to pray and this and that. Now it says he went back to a place where he had first built an altar. This simple place. You know, I think a lot of people that are, that are questioning Christianity and trying to figure out if they believe in God, they're kind of in this place. It's hard to put words behind it, but I think this is a picture of where a lot of people are at. You, you, people will say, oh, I used to, I believed when I was a kid. There was this thing where maybe it was simple and it wasn't muddied by all of life's 
stuff. Maybe it was before that person hurt you that was a Christian. And maybe there's been baggage and weight that's been added to the name of Jesus in your life that people have put there. And God is inviting you to go back to a place before all that when it was simple and it was just you and him. Abram went back to the last place where he built an altar to God, back to the basics, back to the place of daily connection, which is rad. And I love that that, 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 that is in there because this next test is way more personal. Verse 5, now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents but the land could not support them while they stayed together for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's herders. <clears throat> the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at the time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine for we are, we're blood, we're close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 11, so Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Verse 12, Abram lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and sinning greatly against the Lord. A couple of things. Number one, you can't control where other people are at. Even your close family. You may want the best for them. You may want them to make right decisions, but you can't control where other people are at. You can control, though, where you're at. Abram, which means exalted father, by the way. I don't know if I've said that. When God changes his name, so exalted father, singular, his name will be changed to Abraham, father of many. He is in process of becoming the man God always knew he would be, where he's not just living for himself, exalted father, but for the blessing of many, Abraham. So Abram was in a connected place. He was back in Bethel, which means... Um, uh, house, of, no, that's Bethlehem, house of bread, house of God. And that's where he's living, where he was in this daily connected place with the Lord. And when this next thing came along, he was in a connected place. So he didn't choose for himself what he thought he needed. He let Lot choose for himself and he took the leftovers. He put family first here, not like he did with his wife prior. So how did the two men respond? 
Well, when they looked around, what did they see? Lot saw lack. He saw famine. The land can't, it can't support us. They probably, it probably couldn't. There was probably too much for where they were at, so needing to split up. So Abram says, well, where do you want to go? And Lot looked around, and he's, if we're like us, he was all, oh, I get to choose? Which one's bigger? It's like giving two brothers cookies. Not my kids, but your kids. <laughs> if you were going to give, if you had two sons... And you're going to give them a Rice Krispie treat. <clears throat> they would be like, which one's bigger? Which one has more sprinkles? Which one has more frosting? This is, grown men do the same thing. It's just not with Rice Krispie treats. It's with land. <laughs> and so he looked and he's like, boom. But there's all these words in there. Do you see that? It's like, that's like Egypt. That's like... Um, it's, it's like the Garden of the Lord, the Garden of Eden, and Egypt. That's a, it's an interesting comparison. But he was like, it's the best. I can get the most from there. Instead of just being like, well, I don't know. Let's strike a deal. I'll take that. This one. It's bigger. I want that one. Lot saw lack, so he wanted what he thought was best. He wanted to take for himself. What did Abram see? I like this. Abram saw provision regardless of where he was. Why? Because he learned what it was to look at things the other way where he didn't see provision regardless of where he was. So he had to escape. Now he's back in this connected place. This comes up and he's kind of like, I don't know, man. You're right. You choose. God will take care of me and my family. I put this, instead of famine, Abram saw fasting. Fasting is going without something as an act of worship to God. So sometimes in our life, the place of simplicity is going without something complex. It's going without a lot of something. With fasting, typically it's food. I'm going to go without this to tell my body that it's not in control and my desires aren't in control, but my spirit is in submission to you, Lord. But sometimes it's other things. I'm going to say no to this job that has this much more money because if I say yes to this, I'm going to have to say no to my family. If I say yes to this thing, I have to say no to this thing. It's weighing this stuff out, which comes from daily connection to the Lord. It was in the place of relinquishment of the land where he let the land go, where he's like, you take what you want. It was in that place and in that heart set and that mindset where God spoke these last verses that we'll close on today. Verse 14. So Lot went, and then it said, Then the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. It's like a hefty promise. You're at base camp. You had just failed. You came back from Egypt being like, dude, that was... 
That was weird. And then you get back, and now Lot does this thing. And it's in this place where God speaks this ridiculous blessing to you and over you, and you have joy and peace. It's kind of like when stuff is going on, but you're, but you're just feeling at peace with who you are and where you're at. It's a beautiful thing. The New Testament in, in Philippians says that there's a peace that surpasses understanding. It's like, I couldn't explain it to you if I tried, but I'm feeling it. It was in that place that God said, go, verse 17, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre on Heb at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. So you and I, I think your life is like mine. We face hard decisions on the regular. Think uh, like a lot of the time. Well, that's a hard decision. Oh, that's a hard decision. <laughs> that's a hard. It's like, man, could I get some no-brainers, please? <laughs> These are brainers. We face hard decisions all the time. Decisions that don't just affect us, but they affect our families. They affect our futures. They affect their futures. See, I don't think Abraham when, he went, Abraham, when he went to Egypt, was trying to walk away from God's plan for his life. He was trying to make the best decision. He was just making it on his own. There's always a couple of roads in front of us. There's always decisions and choices that we have to make. And there's always a couple of options in front of us. I'd like to leave us with looking at what we've learned on what kind of these options look, back, look like. First thing, it matters where base camp is. It matters kind of like where we're at on the daily. This daily life, this daily decision to walk with God, to trust him and honor him, I think is the best jump off point and starting point for a new year for sure. But like I said earlier, I'm not as much as me. I'm not as much on the new year as I am on the new day. You know, the more people I talk to, the more we, especially people that are more experienced than me and have gone farther than me when I'm asking them questions, they always talk more. Still, people have been walking with the Lord forever. They forgot more stuff than I've learned yet. And they all talk about the importance of just like daily, daily. Connect with the Lord. Connect with the people you love. It's a daily thing. The, the day by day is more important. That's why we talk so much about the journey and where I want to say God cares more about where, you at, where you're at than where you've been. That's what grace is. Oh, I can't, Lord, I can't come to you. I've screwed up my life too bad. Or I've been living this way. Or I've, if you're honest with yourself, we don't come because we're like, man, this is what I'm bringing to the table. This is where I've been. We've all been to Egypt. We've all done dumb things. But it's more about like where you're at right now, where you're at today. It's not about where you're going to be at the end of next year. Where are you at right now, the day before the new year? Is it like, oh, last day of this year, I'm going to, like, go so big and, you know, I ain't going to remember today. 
Or is this just like, no, this day is as important as tomorrow. It's like, it's it. This is it. Today is important. I love the chuckles because some people be like, been there. There's a couple of ways to enter a new season. As we enter 2024, my favorite that I always will, I will for the rest of my life remember all of the year, the 2020 messages I heard. Because 2020, perfect vision. There was all these messages like, this is the year. And we're gonna, we're going so big, our church, but it's gonna blow up and all this stuff's gonna happen. And then people preach to empty room. We, it's like the bottom fell out of that plan. But God was in control. He was holding people. And you know the people who came out of that season thriving were people that connected to God every day. They did the best they could to connect with Jesus and connect with others in whatever way was available to them. And they came out ahead of those who didn't. All right, a couple of ways to enter 2024. Way number one, your way. Your priorities, your plan, I'm going to do this. This is what's important to me. It's kind of like the Babylon way. It's the way of the world. What do you want to do? Who do you want to be? How are you going to get there? Go for it. Is your way, but here's my questions. Is it super complex? Does it take a million moving parts and does it take a lot of compromise? If that's the case, especially if you want to hear from God and know what God thinks in your life and you're trying to walk with Jesus, if it's real complex and there's compromise involved, it would be worth reconsidering. It would be worth praying about. It would be worth seeking God and and slowing down a little bit before you make that decision. Does it produce long-term good or is it a short-term gain? Remember, flesh, gratification of flesh, that's a short-term thing, always. It's always a short-term gain. Then there's this way. There's what we could call God's way. The basics. His presence. Jesus said this, I am the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me, and you will bear fruit. That's the basics. He's like, spend time with me, talk to me, connect with me. I got the fruit part covered. Just be with me. So abide in his presence. Live in his promises. We just read over something that I bet not, none of us caught, but it's so good. What if this year, even if there is family, uh, uh, famine, or family dysfunction, what if you looked at this year as the year of the Lord's favor? Where he is inviting you like he invited Abram in verse 17. This is what he said to him in this new season. He says, go, walk through the land, the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. What if, what if the season in front of you, 2024, this next year, isn't something to escape but it's an invitation to trust. 
What if you lived on a something that you don't just have to get through, but you get to be with Jesus in? And there's simplicity. Because there's going to be fam- uh, famines. There's going to be battles. But remember, faith is playing the long game. God plays the long game with us, and faith is just being like, I don't see it right in the moment, Lord. But you tell me that you've got me and that you're working something bigger than what I can see, so I'm going to trust you today. I'm going to get up today, and I'm going to go to this job that if you have something better for me, would you help me to see it, and would you help it to bless my family, and would you help these things that are important to work out and for me to not compromise who you are to me and what you're doing in my life, but that you would just help me to be the best me that I, that I can be. <laughs> That's like a rap. <laughs> so if you want to win the year, just win the day. It's way more attainable. As a matter of fact, Jesus says it's fundamental. I want to leave you with this verse that he said, and then we'll pray. We'll sing this last song. But this is what Jesus told to his followers, people that were walking with him. He said this, Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. I'll leave you with these verses, and then uh, you can check them out this week. But Jesus said this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When you see a patch of ground, you don't just start building a house. If you're a builder, you know this. You actually have to go backwards before you can go forwards. You got to dig. And depending on what type of ground it is, you got to dig deep and deep. It actually looks like you're going, dude, you're supposed to be building. You're digging a hole. What the heck are you doing? Because you have to build with the big picture in mind. And so you dig. And depending on where you're building, you got to go down deep so you can tie that house into something. Otherwise, well, he says, although I'm thinking about all the videos because it's El Nino. We have zero snow. Lord be with us. But there are places, other places where the seas are crazy. The West Coast, especially like Southern California, the amount of waves and like, you know, it's rough there. There can be mudslides and stuff. And I saw a video yesterday of like a landslide. It wasn't there, but just like this house was sitting on this beautiful prairie next to the ocean. And you're like, oh man, that place is cool. I could live, wait, that place, it looks like it's moving. What's going on? The whole thing just slides into the ocean. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just crazy what storms do, what famines do, what, what, when that happens on the inside. I'll show you what those people are like. They hear my words and put them into practice. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but it couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. 
the moment the torrent struck his house, it, com it collapsed. And its destruction was complete. The beautiful thing there is there's no pressure on you. The Lord is just saying, I'm doing a deep work. And if you want a deep work that can withstand storms, if you hear, he, this is what he says, hear my words. So that's a listening and put them into practice. And these are the things that will happen. God will begin. Sometimes he'll dig down and you got to take a few steps back. But he's, his thing is he's building something beautiful and strong. And that's what he wants for your life and for mine. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this last Sunday of the year. Um, whether it's the last Sunday of a year, the first Sunday, or the middle Sunday, we come here the same way, Lord. We love you. Um, we thank you that you are God and we are not. And Lord, we believe that you will do in our time and in our lives like you did for Abram and his family in their time and in their lives. You will use the things going on around us to show us you. You will work in us to accomplish your purposes. And you will bring joy. And you will work all things together for good. Father, we sing this song to you just as a response, just to say thank you and amen. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.